The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. When I was trying to find uh, a guitar solo from Eddie Van Halen yesterday, how do you pick? I picked this one. We're running a little bit hot tonight. Yeah, we didn't get to talk much about it yesterday because of the shortened show. So I wanted to make sure that we did again, uh, or that we did today, the the death of Eddie Van Halen, easily considered to be one of the greatest guitar players of all time. That distinctive sound of his helped propel Van Halen, the band, into superstardom. He passed away yesterday morning at the age of 65. And for those of us, really, who grew up in the 80s and the 90s, it was a pretty big kick in the gut if you're a guitar player. Um, You know, oftentimes you turn to him and his unique style uh, to maybe learn a little lesson. Alan Cross is the host of the ongoing History of New Music podcast. He's a broadcaster, an author, and public speaker. Alan, I know how big an impact someone has on music by how many interviews you are booked for in a day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's been a big one today. So can you, you know, I'm curious to know, you know, the first time you heard Eddie Van Halen, the first time that you heard that distinctive sound, where were you? What what went through your mind? I was working in a grocery store stocking shelves. The boss had gone home. We had the FM rock station on and running with the devil came on. This is uh, mm. late 70s, 1978. And we stopped and looked at the speaker and went, what is this? <laughs> and a couple of reasons for that. First of all, um, guitar playing at that point, rock guitar playing, had sort of, and I, it's a terrible thing to say, but it had become kind of stagnant. There had been, you know, there were greats like Clapton and Beck uh-huh. and Hendrix and Jimmy Page. And, you know, we had pretty much figured out that these guys were, uh, tradition. They, they were playing in the tradition of of, of the blues. That's where they came from. Uh-huh. All of them. Keith, Keith Richards too. They were all blues fans, and that's what informed their playing style, which was fine. And but it had almost been played out at that point. Now punk had brought some new energy to things, but at the same time, it was being counteracted with disco. So it, we were really looking, hoping for something fresh. And all of a sudden, this band out of Pasadena comes along with this 22-year-old kid who was playing the guitar in ways that we had never heard and delivering tones and textures and sounds that we had never imagined before. I mean, you play Panama there. Listen to the guitar tones and textures that Eddie is doing. That's one guy. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. He, was, he was just so shockingly innovative in what he was doing that uh, immediately the next day I went out and bought the cassette and I was a fan after that. And a fan ever since. You talk about that unique sound and that tapping that he did. I mean, he didn't come up with that, but he really made it his own, didn't he? He did. Now, the tapping is what we're talking about there is using both hands on the fretboard as yeah. part of your playing, whether it's a solo or, or something uh, something else. He got that idea from Jimmy Page, who could be heard using some tapping in a song called Heartbreaker. And Eddie thought, oh, okay, well, that's how you can do it. Um, I don't have a lot of fancy guitars and a lot of fancy amplifiers and a lot of fancy uh, effects pedals. So I have to get all my music, all my sounds, out of just using my fingers the best I can. 
So he figured out how the tapping thing works and really went to town on it. And he became so proficient at it. And that sound became so, uh, in, you know, so big that by the time we get into the early part of the 80s, if you were going to be a rock guitarist, you had to do tapping as part of, of your playing style. And he just he changed. He broke the guitar solo. You know, there was one way of doing it before Eddie, Eddie Van Halen, and then there was yeah. the way of doing solos after Eddie Van Halen. You know what? It was uh, in 2012. He was voted number one in a Guitar World magazine reader poll for the 100 greatest guitarists of all time. Number one. So that's ahead of Clapton, Page, Hendrix. Would you agree with that? Uh, you know, these these lists are designed to, to get us upset. Uh, they're designed to get us <laughs> to debate. I, I think it all matters when you discovered him and what age you were at. Now, yeah. if you were in your 30s when you first heard Van Halen, you would have maybe dismissed them as, hey, not as good as Hendrix, not as good as Page. But if you were growing up as a teenager, when you were in that sweet spot between 13 and, say, 23, when you are, when music means absolutely everything to you and you're using music to figure out who you are and you're using music to demonstrate to the rest of the world your identity, uh, he was, you know, this 22-year-old guy was, was part of your cohort. He was part of your generation. And you thought, well, oh, this guy's way better than those older guys. And you hitched your start at them. You know, you talk about, uh, you know, making his own sound and developing, you know, maybe he didn't have the best guitars, didn't have the best amps. And there's been a lot of talk about that one guitar of his, that red and white one. What's it called? The, the Franken Frankenstein. The Frankenstein. You've seen yeah. that. I mean, he pieced that, he jerry-rigged that together and, and turned it into a, a, a music machine. Yeah, well, you know, it, there, he didn't buy that guitar. He made it out of bits yeah. and pieces. And we, you know, don't know exactly what sort of circuitry was in that guitar. Only he did. And he was always fiddling with it, you know, with, with the pickups and the wiring and the whammy bar and everything else that was associated with that guitar. And that's where some of some of these incredible sounds came from. Mm. And you know, Eddie was one of those guys who would, uh, you know, sometimes turn his back to the audience so nobody could see exactly what he was doing because <laughs> that was a trade secret. But most of the time, he was on stage playing, you know, with that goofy grin on his face, that yes. sheer joy of of being able to play this this these complex uh, passages with with absolutely no effort or no thought at all. And how many millions of kids went to see Van Halen and go, wow, yeah. uh, I want to be just like him. And I mean, you know, he, he, was, he, was, he was a student of the guitar, but at the same time, he was part of the most decadent rock and roll band of the era. Yeah, and you know, you talk about that. He was he he was a master, and from everything that I've read about him and 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 heard about him, he always was fiddling with the guitar. Always had a guitar nearby. Was always you know trying out a new riff. He was always trying to find something different, that next sound, and trying to improve. If you have the time, uh, Van Halen's ex-manager, a guy by the name of Noel Monk, wrote uh, a memoir of his time. As, as their manager, and that's what he talked to me. He talked about Eddie being this childlike protege mm. who never really grew up and was always a teenager in his bedroom, you know, playing with his guitar. He went with it absolutely everywhere and mixed that with his innate talents, and, you know, you end up with a, a once-in-a-generation type performer.
And I think, you know, when you have, you talk about uh, that decadent rock group of, of Van Halen with David Lee Roth as the as the front men for so many years, when the fact is, when so many eyes were on David Lee Roth to see what performance he was going to be putting on, so many people were also watching Eddie to see what he was going to do, and that says something as well, doesn't it? It does. Now, Eddie's guitar playing was the glue for Van Halen, yeah. and... We, you know, David Lee Roth leaves in 1985, and they have to decide: Are we going to continue on, or are we going to replace our frontman? How are you going to replace such mm. a, a, an eccentric, over-the-top, flamboyant, <laughs> larger-than-life frontman like David Lee Roth? Well, they bring in Sammy Hagar, uh, yeah. and he did a very good job because they had a couple of really good albums with him. But the mm-hmm. glue that made this transition possible was 80s guitar playing. Without that, there is no Van Halen. No, none. Before I let you go, Alan, and I sure appreciate your time this afternoon, one of the things that I think people maybe don't realize is where Eddie Van Halen's work showed up in in other places, not just on stage with Van Halen. I think of Michael Jackson's Beat It. I mean, yeah. the, the guitar solo in there. And wasn't he in one of the Back to the Future movies as well? There is a scene in the first Back to the Future movie where Marty McFly appears in front of his future father, George, dressed in a hazmat suit, claiming to That's be right. Darth Vader for the planet Vulcan. Uh, and he, what he wants, he tortures his future father by putting some Walkman headphones on him and playing him this guitar solo. Uh, and I remember watching the movie and thinking, oh, well, that sounds like Eddie Van Halen. Well, it was. <laughs> you know, he was uncredited. And he, it, later he, he admitted that, that's, that was him playing, playing that, uh, that piece of music. Um, and when you go back to Beat It, yeah. uh, he, did that, he did that solo for free. He's on the biggest selling album of all time. And I said, eh, yeah, I'll just give you a solo and see you later. Didn't get, oh, a, my didn't goodness. get a dime from it. Oh, boy. Uh, Alan, always great to talk with you. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. Appreciate it. Well, you're very welcome. You betcha, Alan Cross, the host of the ongoing History of New Music, the podcast. Um, and again, we talk about some of those collaborations. I mentioned Michael Jackson and and Beat It. Yeah, the guitar solo in Beat It. And again, you got to remember, I'm a, I'm a kid of the 80s, so that thriller, uh, thriller album came out when I was in, you know, 1980. I was in grade eight. And so for me, that was, that was huge. You talk about the other ones he collaborated with, Brian May, uh, Black Sabbath, uh, Roger uh, Walters, I mean, Roger Waters, excuse me. I mean, there's just so many. And yeah, your text coming in this afternoon, yeah, he was a pure virtuoso. I know some people are like, oh, this is just an absolute kick to the gut. And for other people, maybe not so much, but that is music. And that is wonderful. One of the wonderful things about music and what makes this world go round. Um, you know, we all have our loves. I know Shay Gann, I'm a huge Eddie fan, uh, but Shay's also a guitar player. My husband as well, uh, last night, was was gutted by the news as well as as a guitar player so uh we'll head into the break with this
January 26, 1955 in Amsterdam. Edward Van Halen's journey into rock and roll began with learning piano at the age of six. After switching to drums, then finally to guitar, he would go to form his first band with his brother Alex when Eddie was just in the fourth grade. Eddie and Alex would continue to make music together through their teens, through college, and for the rest of their lives. In 1972, Van Halen was formed. In 1978, after the release of their first album, the world first took notice of Eddie Van Halen. Like this, he record six different versions of the solos. Okay. And then just start, move the channel. Like here, turn this one on, turn this one off, turn this one on, turn this one. And then he'd have to go learn the solo. Wow. So you'll see his hand move from down here to up here and down there. <laughs> Thank you for the years of music, Eddie. You kept us running with the devil. He made us jump, dance the night away, and beat it. Today, right here, right now, we honor the life, music, and legacy of one of the greatest guitarists of all time, Edward Ludwig Van Halen. But you can call him Eddie. Does it make you nervous to be called like a guitar hero at all? People are putting on the cover of Guitar Player magazine. Here he is, God. Do you feel a little odd about that sort of thing? It's, it's nice, but sometimes it's like, come on, you know, I'm just a punk kid who plays guitar. Rest in peace.